Good morning, Center Baptist. The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. The Lord is my portion, says my soul. Therefore, I will hope in him. Let's sing, Great is Thy Faithfulness. Great is Thy faithfulness, O God, my Father. There is no shadow of turning with Thee. Thou changest not Thy compassions, they fail not. As Thou hast been, Thou forever wilt be. Great is Thy faithfulness, great is Thy faithfulness. Morning by morning, new mercies I see. All I have needed, Thy Great is the 
Well, good morning and uh, happy Mother's Day to all uh, mothers who are listening. Um, I just want to offer uh, my sincere thank you and, and gratitude to you for your, your faithfulness to raise your children and to, to point your children to Christ and all the other things that God uh, calls mothers to do. I know it is a, an extremely challenging uh, and formidable task. And I just want to personally say thank you to my mother because um, no doubt she endured much, uh, far more than I will ever know, to raise uh, my brother and me. And she always seemed to do it so faithfully and so well and with, with, with seemingly endless uh, patience. I, I can hardly ever remember her saying a harsh word. Maybe she uh, remembers it a bit differently uh, than I do, but uh, that's how I remember it, and I thank God for her. And I want to lead us in prayer uh, today, and I will be uh, using Psalm 34, verses uh, 1 through 10, to guide us in our time of prayer. I just want to continue to encourage you. Uh, such a, a, a helpful thing for me uh, in my prayer life is to start by reading a psalm and then praying that psalm back to God as a prayer. So I want to do that from Psalm 34, uh, 1 through 10 this morning. I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. My soul makes its boast in the Lord. Let the humble hear and be glad. Oh, magnify the Lord with me and let us exalt his name together. I sought the Lord and he answered me and delivered me from all my fears. Those who look to him are radiant and their faces shall never be ashamed. This poor man cried and the Lord heard him and saved him out of all of his troubles. The angel of the Lord encamps around those who fear him and delivers them. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man who takes refuge in him. Oh, fear the Lord, all you saints, for those who fear him have no lack. The young lions suffer want and hunger, but those who seek the Lord lack no good thing. Father, I come before you this morning praying that our only boast would be in you, the one who can make our hearts glad, the only one who makes our hearts glad. May we magnify you in all we do today and in how we live our lives. And Father, may we taste and see that you are good and seek refuge in you alone. We are tempted to boast in so many other things, in our work, in our successes and accomplishments, in our own possessions even. But when you call us as your own, you call us to die to ourselves. You call us to die to finding our identity in these lesser things. You call us to die in order that we might gain you. So Father, I ask that for all of us, we would truly offer our bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to you. And that we would be conformed no longer to this world, but be transformed by you renewing us. That we would be able to discern what is your good and your perfect will for our lives. 
To this end, I pray, Father, that we would look up to you for all our needs and that we would look outward toward the needs of those around us. I pray that you would take any clenched fists and turn them into open hands, ready to receive from you. I pray that you would remove from us any hearts of stone, and I pray that you would replace them with hearts of flesh. I pray that you would turn our stiff necks into those ready to respond to your word in obedience. Father, I know there are many this morning, today, in these weeks who are struggling right now, feeling cooped up or feeling alone or feeling isolated in our current circumstances. I pray that you would help these to remember that life in you brings purpose and brings your presence into everything that we do. That even in quarantine, we can still worship. We can still redeem the time and serve in your kingdom, which has no physical walls. Father, I pray that you would comfort the lonely with your Holy Spirit. I pray that you would make weak knees straight and you would lift up drooping hands and give us endurance to run this race set before us. I pray that any sin or weight that is entangling or weighing us down right now, I pray that you would obliterate it so that we could run this race freely in the way that you have intended for us. Most importantly, Father, I pray that you would keep our eyes fixed on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. Father, you tell us here in this psalm that those who look on you are radiant. You tell us that those who seek you lack no good thing and that your angel encamps around those who fear you. So so we ask in confidence today, in confidence knowing these truths that that you would make radiant and that you would give grace abundantly to and that you would encamp around these among us who are hurting or who are alone. Father, we want to pray particularly this week for Arden as as he has uh, relapsed into some of... uh, his former conditions and, and is not well right now. And as Marcel um, strives to, to, to care for him well, I pray that we would come alongside them and, and continue uh, to pray and to help and to offer care to them. And I pray that you would bring healing to Arden's body. We also want to pray for Marcel, as, as she has told us uh, this week about the loss of her, uh, her sister, the loss of her grandson, Uh, Very unexpectedly, at such a young age, I pray that you would uh, comfort that family as they are grieving. Father, we pray as well for for Deb's brother, Kent, um, Father, who may not have much longer to live, but I know Deb's prayer, Debbie's prayer for him is that he would hear the gospel and, and truly respond to it with repentance and faith. And I pray that you would give her the opportunity to continue to encourage him with those words of life. Father, we continue to pray for our sister Ruth, for the continued health of her heart and for her recovery. We pray for Virginia as she is at home now recovering from her ankle surgery. As we pray as well for our other shut-ins, Lucy and Evelyn. And Father, I lift up our sister Helen as she continues to um, struggle with these headaches, these these migraines. I pray that you would give relief to her from those and, and, and allow her to just experience the fullness of the life you've given her. 
And Father, I also want to pray for the, the Napier family and for Demaria as she anticipates the uh, delivery of their child. And I pray that you would keep this baby healthy, that you would uh, bring this baby into this world healthy. And that I pray it would just be another cause for us as a church family to rejoice and to praise you for the gift of life. Father, I pray for this church, for all of the lost family members among us, and for all of the lost who are in our community, people that you have have placed among us that we are to bring good news to. I pray that you would give us a a boldness and and an intentionality to continue to, to bring them the gospel and to share with them the saving knowledge of your son, Jesus Christ. Father, I also lift up our missionaries, and I pray that you would help them to find joy in this season, in the ministry that you've given for them. I pray that you would give them wisdom and creativity to minister in, in these new times. And I pray that you would continue to give them a confidence in your unshakable kingdom. Lord, we are just a week away now from reopening our doors, even though it's a, a, a very restricted and and limited gathering. Father, I so look forward to being together with your people again. And my prayer is that as we come back together, I know in in phases and, and more slowly, but that we would be able to celebrate your goodness, your kindness to us, your kindness to give us one another, to build each other up and to strengthen and encourage and help one another run this race together. I pray that we would honor you both in our corporate worship and also in the way that we conduct ourselves with one another and in our community. Father, we know that you bring desolations, that you also make wars to cease. You break bows and you shatter spears. We call upon you now, Father, to extinguish this virus, to stop its spread and to kill COVID-19. Ultimately, as we ask this, what we're asking for is for your mercy. We ask for your mercy upon all who are sick, and we ask for your mercy upon this country and this, and this world for all who are struggling through these times. At the same time, Father, we also ask that this new reality would bring many to a point of, of repentance, to, to cry out to you and to, to acknowledge their dependence on on you and to cry out to you for salvation. I pray that the gospel would be made clear to many who have never heard before during this time. And I pray that many would turn to you and to seek you. Father, we pray as your church, teach us to fear you. Teach us to walk in your ways. Teach us to be quick to listen to your word and to be always quick to obey. I pray that you would take this local church body, Center Baptist Church, I pray that you would use us for your glory and for your fame. Father, I pray for our other partners in the gospel, for Overland Hills Church. Father, for our church just up the road in, in Antioch Baptist Church and for others like Lighthouse Baptist Church and Converge Church, Lord, I pray that you would take all of us and you would truly use us for your glory and for your fame. We pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.
Amen. Well, if you have your Bibles or you want to go get your Bibles now, we are going to be in 2 Timothy. 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 14 and 15. So just a couple um, of verses this morning. Let me read this for us. 2 Timothy 3, 14 and 15. But as for you, continue in what you have learned and have firmly believed, knowing from whom you learned it and how from childhood you've been acquainted with the sacred writings which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. Father, take this word and open our minds, open our hearts to understand it and to respond to it in faith. I pray it would transform us. May your spirit be with us now in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, 18 years ago on Mother's Day, during the first year of my life when I was actually out on my own, living 1,500 miles away from my family in college, my mom, that very day, was reading from 1 Samuel chapter 12. She read 1 Samuel chapter 12, verse 24. Be sure to fear the Lord and sincerely worship him. Think of all the wonderful things he has done for you. And after she read this, she prayed and she wrote one of her prayers in the margin of her Bible. She prayed, Lord, help Davy to count his blessings. And remember all the wonderful things you have done for him. That same year on my first day of class, that first year of my life out on my own, she was reading Psalm 37, verse 5. Commit everything you do to the Lord. Trust him and he will help you. She wrote another prayer in the margin that God would continue to reveal himself to me and that I would commit everything to him and to trust him. Now, how do I know what my mom was reading in her Bible 18 years ago on these very specific days? Because she gave me this Bible. She gave me this Bible upon finishing that first year. That first year, which was by far up to that point in my life, the most challenging year of my life. During that year, despite so many flaming arrows that I think the evil one was probably trying to throw at me. And despite so many opportunities really to run from the Lord or to turn from the Lord when I was no longer with my parents, I am confident that God used the prayers of my devoted mother to preserve me and to persevere me in the faith. I wonder how many of you out there would say that you are walking with the Lord today because of the effectual prayers of a devoted mother. I know it's, it's not everyone. I know that can't be the case in this fallen world. And I know ultimately God is the one who has to save us, not our mothers. But I also know that God delights. I am confident that God delights to both hear and to use the prayers of devoted mothers for the salvation and perseverance of their children. So in, in full acknowledgement that this day is a, a relatively modern invention, uh, 1914, it was made official here in America, Mother's Day. Still, 
What I want to do is I want to seize upon the opportunity when our minds are already there. We're already focused on our mothers. We're focused on Mother's Day. I want to seize on this opportunity to allow God's perfect word, to allow the scriptures to give us the grandest vision for what children need most from their mothers and what mothers need most from their children. So I've landed in 2 Timothy chapter 3, right? Naturally, a letter from a pastor to another pastor. So maybe you're thinking, what does this have to do with Mother's Day? What does this have to do with mothers? Well, Paul's letters, first of all, his, his letters to Timothy, are, are, are you can kind of think of them as a combination uh, between a lecture or a class on how to pastor a church a combination between a lecture and then kind of like a locker room pep talk before a big game. Uh, here, here is Timothy that he has sent out and, and he's entrusted him this large scale church planting movement. And he's, he's giving Timothy this stirring motivational speech to, to fan into flame, it says, Timothy's gift and his passion before he faces some of the biggest challenges lying ahead in ministry. Paul's words of encouragement to young Timothy are words that he is going to need to fall back on, that he is going to need to cling to when times get really tough. Which I think makes it all the more remarkable, the place that Paul decides to go in order to spur Timothy on. So he's just, he's just finished telling Timothy here about the reality of faithful pastoral ministry. And, and he's pulling no punches. He is not sugarcoating this by any means. He says, if you're faithful, you're going to face opposition. You're going to face suffering. You're going to face persecution. In verse 12, he actually says, Indeed, all who desire to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. Guaranteed, will be persecuted. While evil people go from bad to worse, deceiving and being deceived. And here he's referring not to, to external threats to the church. He's talking about people within the church who are going to twist and to distort the gospel. Then he says this in verse 14. But as for you, as for you, Timothy, continue in what you have learned and have firmly believed. Continue in what you have learned and have firmly believed. So his, his primary charge to Timothy here is not to be innovative when it comes to gospel ministry. It's not to adapt to the changing times or so that he can somehow better respond to all the newest threats to the gospel, but simply to continue in what he has learned and has firmly believed. What is Paul talking about? He goes on. He says, continue in what you have learned and firmly believed, knowing from whom, and whom here, if you look in your footnote in some of your Bibles, this is a plural, whom all you have learned it, and how from childhood, how from childhood you have been acquainted with the Holy Scriptures, which are able to make you wise for salvation. Paul's saying that the key to Timothy's success and the key to Timothy's joy and ministry is going to 
depend on how he responds to and how he perseveres in the truth that he has learned as a child. The scriptures, the same scriptures which have made him wise for salvation is what he is going to need to cling to in order to share the gospel and to make others wise for salvation, to endure through the toughest times in ministry. So what about mothers? Well, we actually have more biographical information on Timothy than I think you might realize. We learn in Acts chapter 16, verse 11, we learn a little bit more about who Timothy was. We learn that when Paul met him, he was already a disciple of Jesus. He was, it says there, he was the son of a Jewish woman who was a believer, so a believer in Christ. But his father was a Greek. In other words, dad was not in the picture as a spiritual leader in the home. And so his mother was, was going it alone in terms of raising him up uh, to, to know Christ and pointing him to Christ. His lineage in the faith came directly from his mother. So then in 2 Timothy chapter 1, at the very beginning of this letter that we're reading now, 1 verse 5, Paul says, I am reminded of your sincere faith, a faith that first dwelt in your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice, and now I am sure dwells in you as well. For this reason, I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God. So Timothy's mother was devoted to passing along to her son an understanding of the scriptures and a sincere devotion to Jesus. So we take all this together, knowing all of this, a very loose paraphrase, and I mean very loose paraphrase of chapter 3 here, could, could go something like this. Timothy, I'm telling you, man, ministry is going to be tough. The road ahead is going to be tough. So remember what your mother taught you. Remember what your mother taught you. Which brings me to point number one today. Mothers. And whenever I say mothers, just feel free to add in fathers because these apply just as well to fathers. But I'm going to focus on mothers here. Mothers, the greatest inheritance that you will ever leave for your children. The single greatest inheritance you will ever leave for your children is your devotion to Jesus. The greatest inheritance you will ever leave for your children is your devotion to Jesus. I think we know that the world is full of ideas about what constitutes successful parenting, how, how we kind of have these milestones and accomplishments uh, in mind for our children to know that we have done a good job as parents. So just consider some of these with me, if you will, some of these accomplishments that we would say make for a very proud mother. We might think of uh, making the honor roll in school, or we may, may think of uh, making all state in, in football or basketball or another major sport or, or becoming the first chair in the band. Later on, maybe we think of, of graduating for, from college. That would be a really neat accomplishment for our children or perhaps a well-paying job or a prestigious position 
in the company or, or in the community. Later on, then, maybe we, we hope that they will have a happy marriage. That would be a great sign that we've done a good job as parenting. Or perhaps beautiful grandchildren. And I mean lots of beautiful grandchildren. Some of you imagine for your children. These things that the world tells us uh, are signs that we've done a good job as parents. But let's just suppose for a minute that we were to take all of these accolades, all of these milestones, all of these accomplishments, and, and just suppose that your child has succeeded in, in many of these areas, has, has met many of these, and they've done so well, they've accomplished so much, and so when you talk about them with other people, people say to you, oh, you must be so proud of your kids. Only suppose that there was one very essential thing missing from their lives. One very big gap in the midst of all this. Imagine, and for some of you this is reality, it's not imagine, that your highly successful children still have hearts that are far from Jesus. Imagine they are infatuated so much with their own careers and their own accomplishments that the glory of God is only of very minor concern to them, if any at all. Imagine that they care very little for the bride of Christ and on Sundays they are mostly absent or nowhere to be found in the life of the church. Imagine there's so much in the world that they are, they're, they're laying up so many treasures on this earth and laying up none in heaven. I wonder, how does this sit with you? How would this sit with you? Does this reality or does this possibility grieve you? I don't ask this lightly. And my, and my goal here is not to, to rain on your Mother's Day parade today. Because I have seen the pain and I've seen the regret on the faces of so many godly men and women. So many praying mothers and praying fathers because their children are not walking with the Lord. So my intent here this morning is not for us to despair over what is beyond our control, what is outside of our power to do, but rather my, my aim is that we might, in reflecting upon this, we might be driven ourselves to a deeper devotion to Jesus and to a greater resolve to give our children and our grandchildren what they truly need most from us. So mothers and fathers, let's ask ourselves, what is the single greatest thing that we desire for our children right now? Ask yourself that question and, and get really introspective. Be honest with yourself. What is, if you need to write it down, what is the single greatest thing that you desire for your children right now? Whether they are three years old or 33 or 53, regardless of the current condition of their hearts or what you perceive to be the condition of their hearts, what is the one thing you desire the most for them? One of the most influential men of the Christian faith 
one of the, the, the giants of the faith all throughout church history, post-New Testament, was a guy by the name of Augustine. Uh, some people say Augustine. Um, Augustine wrote thousands upon thousands of pages instructing and edifying and encouraging the church and defending the gospel against so many threats that were thrust upon the church in his day. And his influence is still felt today. Many people still read the works of Augustine and are encouraged and challenged by what he had to say. Yet he was not always such a giant in the faith. Augustine, too, was once a rebellious child. He was a promiscuous teenager and 20-something. For a long time, he dabbled in false religions. He was a very intelligent person, so he hungered after knowledge and became a very proud and arrogant intellectual. Augustine, he emerged from a small town and very humble beginnings, and he, he really rose up through the academic ranks, a real true story of success from rags to riches. Eventually, he would gain a prestigious teaching and political position in a large metropolitan city of Milan. And really, what he had at that point, by that point in his life, what he had achieved, I think many mothers would have coveted for their children. He had achieved academic success, he had achieved fame, a well-paying job, an influential position, and generally he was well-liked and had many friends. But all he gave his mother Monica was a broken heart. See, Monica, his mother, was a devoted follower of Christ. And like Eunice, she too was alone in this, this endeavor as a parent, because Augustine had an unbelieving father. But Monica never stopped praying for Augustine. She never stopped encouraging him to repent and to believe the gospel. And she never stopped scheming, I would say, trying to put him in the places where he would hear the gospel and believe. She never stopped scheming to see him follow after Christ as she had. Well, toward the end of her life, her prayers would be answered. And she would come to bear joyful witness to the dramatic conversion, which you can read about today, the dramatic conversion of her son and his own new devotion and passion for the Lord Jesus Christ. Just before she died, Augustine records that they had this conversation. So here she is speaking at the end of her life with her newly converted son. She says, I have no further delight in anything in this life. What am I even still here for? My hopes in this world are accomplished. She said there was one thing for which I was, was still here, one, one reason why I was even living, why I was even lingering around on this earth, and that was to see you, Augustine, become a Christian before I died. Then she said, my God has done this for me more abundantly, that I should now see you despising earthly happiness become his servant.
Is this the kind of longing that you have for your children, mothers, fathers? Is this your greatest hope for your children? I pray that this, if it's not, I pray this would be your longing. And if this is your longing, then resolve today. We must resolve today to pray like we have never prayed before for our children. Resolve today to arrange and to prioritize your family routines and your schedules in such a way that your children become acquainted with the sacred writings, just like Timothy was, which are able to make them wise for salvation. This is really a great time as we've kind of had to hit reset on our lives and reconsider what our priorities are and what we might go back to after this is all over. Resolve to arrange and and prioritize your schedules such that they become acquainted with the sacred writings and such that they, they, they become devoted to Christ and see your devotion to Jesus. It's by your devotion to Jesus. It's by you praying for them and having your nose buried in the scriptures and they, and they see you and they see your devotion to Jesus that you are going to make clear to them the surpassing worth of knowing Christ. By your devotion to Jesus, you make clear to them that you value faith over football, that you value Christ over any college scholarship that you value their walk with the Lord over any well-paying job that they could ever have. Mothers, the greatest inheritance that you will ever leave for your children is your devotion to Jesus. Which brings me to point number two. This one is for children. Children. The greatest gift that you will ever give your mother is to honor her by honoring Christ as your Savior and Lord. The greatest gift you will ever give your mother is to honor her by honoring Christ as Savior and Lord. One of my mom's favorite verses, which I looked in here and sure enough she had highlighted is 3 John verse 4. 3 John only has one chapter, so 3 John verse 4 says, I have no greater joy than to hear that my children are walking in truth. I have no greater joy than to hear that my children are walking in truth. And as I said, in this Bible, it's, it's highlighted in orange with words that my, my mom wrote next to it. Amen, exclamation mark, praise God, exclamation mark. Now, John here would happen to be speaking about his spiritual children in the faith, those whom he had uh, uh, told about Jesus and and had had, uh, made disciples of and shared the gospel with. But the truth is, is all the same. Parents who love Jesus, parents who love Jesus, children, can experience no greater joy in their children than to know that their lives are committed to Christ. No greater joy in their children than to know that their lives are committed to Christ. I know all the things that we will do for our mothers on this day. Some are going to buy or send them flowers, really pretty flowers or or hanging baskets. And some might even 
take their mother's, uh, make their mother's lunch. Now, I don't know if anybody's going to be able to take their mothers out to lunch, but this is a day when we like to come together as a family and honor mom. Some might take a nice family picture and send it to their mothers. Many are going to send a card. And all of us, if we can, if our mothers are still living, are going to call our mothers, right? But children, young children, older children, very old children, all children, if your mom loves Jesus, if your mom loves Jesus like Eunice and Lois love Jesus, then here is what is going to bring her the greatest joy, the greatest blessing, the greatest comfort, the greatest peace to see you with a heart aflame for Christ. To see you with a heart aflame for Christ. What Paul is telling Timothy in chapter 1 and in chapter 3 is don't forsake the spiritual inheritance that has been given to you by your mother and your grandmother. This is a gift from God. Fan it into flame. God gave you a Christian mother. This is one of the richest blessings you could ever have. Don't squander it. He gave you a Christian mother who left you with the richest inheritance you could ever have. An acquaintance with the scriptures and a love for Jesus. Don't you dare squander it. Maybe you are listening today and you are aware of how earnestly and how sincerely your own mother or your own father tried to raise you up in the training and the instruction and the love of the Lord. But maybe at the same time, you are also very aware of some of their shortcomings. Maybe because of some of these shortcomings and failings and ways that they disappointed you, you are still living today with a stubborn heart and you're still living today with ears stopped to the word of God. The word of God, which your mother or father longed to instill in you. Maybe you're still holding something against them. And maybe you've begun to use that as your excuse for why you are not following Christ. I want you to know this. Your parents would want you to know this. And, and, and parents, I know that sometimes we, we are afraid uh, because we, we come across as preaching. We're afraid to, to send something to our kids to read or to listen to or to watch or to, to share one more scripture with them or to let them know we're praying with them. But please, I give you full permission to say, children, watch this because you need to hear this for your own good. Children, what your parents want you to know is that despite all of their failings and shortcomings, there is one who never failed. There is one who is perfect. You see, all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And that includes your own Christian mother and your own Christian father. And they would want you to know that your only hope in life is their only hope in life, that God would grant them forgiveness by sending his own son to die on a cross for the forgiveness of their sins, to step in and to pay the penalty that they could never pay. Their greatest prayer for you 
is that you would turn from trying to live your life according to your own wisdom and according to your own purposes and to, 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 to stop living your life the way you want to and to give yourself over to Christ. Not simply to trust God because they told you to trust God, but that you would come to experience his steadfast love, which is better than life. That is their greatest prayer for you. I realize some here who are listening do not have mothers, do not have mothers who are like Timothy's. Maybe you have parents whose hearts are still far from the Lord. Maybe you didn't grow up in a Christian home. And if that's the case, then the point is still just as true. It still remains true that the greatest gift that you can give your mother or you can give your father is to devote your life to Christ. Because then what happens is, is your life now serves as, as a witness to God's awesome mercy on display and his amazing grace in your own life. I was reminded this week by another brother in this church of how Christ came into this world, it says in, in Malachi 4.6, that he was coming to turn the hearts of children to their fathers and the hearts of fathers to their children. You see, when you experience peace with God through Jesus Christ, and that, that heavenly, that relationship with your heavenly father is reconciled and restored, then what happens, it, it, it often becomes the pathway to restored and reconciled relationships with your mother and your father as they begin, begin to witness God's mercy and God's grace in your life. So the greatest gift, whether your parents are sincere believers like Eunice and Lois, or whether their hearts are far from the Lord, the greatest gift you can give your mother is to honor her by honoring Christ as your Savior and Lord. And finally, point number three. To all discouraged mothers and fathers, to all discouraged mothers and fathers who, whose children are not walking with the Lord, and it, and it breaks your heart, never give up praying for your children. Never give up praying for your children. First of all, if your children are like Timothy and they are, they are walking today with the Lord, then, then let this day just be a day of rejoicing and giving thanks to God for that. Let's, let's not withhold that from him. Let's, let's give him thanks that he is due. No greater joy can you have than, than to know that your children are walking with the Lord. But if you find yourself brokenhearted today over where your children are spiritually, I want to encourage you to never give up praying. I can't promise you that God in the end is going to save your children because his purposes are so much higher than mine. His, his ways and his thoughts are so much higher than mine. But I can promise you this. God will never hear the prayers of salvation for your children if you never offer them to him in the first place. And he may save them, but he will find another means through which to save them. 
Do you believe that the prayers of a righteous man, the prayers of a righteous woman, availeth much? Do you believe that God is able to save your children? And the greatest gift that you could ever give them is to never stop praying for them and to never stop encouraging them with the truths of Scripture, which are able to make them wise for salvation. Remember, all of us were once dead in our sins in which we walked following the course of this world. We were were once living for the passions of our flesh. We were once carrying out the desires of our body and our mind, and we were once children of wrath. Until God, in the richness of his mercy and because of his great love, reached down and made us alive in Christ Jesus. Remember that no sinner is beyond the reach of God's mercy and grace. Timothy's ministry was was fueled along by the faith of his mom. So many heroes of the faith throughout the history of the church have attributed the conver- their conversion and their ministry to God hearing the prayers of devoted mothers. Not because their moms were perfect, not because their moms were so excellent or so worthy, but because their mothers knew how much more excellent and how much more worthy was Christ of all of their devotion. J. Gresham Machen is another example of a pastor like Timothy, a pastor who was carried along by the strength of the faith of his praying mother. J. Gresham Machen dedicated much of his ministry through the 1920s and 30s here in America to defending the truth of Scripture against attacks on the gospel, attacks from within the church, attacks on the gospel. But before Dr. Machen was ever the impassioned defender of the faith with his pen and in his pulpit, he too would have a crisis of faith. He too would have a season of darkness, of doubt. Yet during those very difficult seasons of doubt, and darkness. There's one thing he never stopped doing, and that was speaking with his devoted mother, his faithful mother. And she certainly never gave up on him. She prayed and prayed and prayed and listened and encouraged and prayed. And as he later recalled her perseverance and and her patience and her her faithfulness to walk with him through these difficult times as he was, was doubting his faith, he would give thanks to God for her that she never gave up on him. And he said this. He said, my mother spoke to me in those dark hours when the lamp burned dim. When I thought that faith was gone and shipwreck had been made of my soul. Christ, she used to say, keeps firmer hold on us than we keep on him. Praise God for that, that Christ keeps a firmer hold on us than we would ever keep on him. 
Mothers, the greatest inheritance you will ever leave for your children is your devotion to Jesus. I speak as a firsthand beneficiary of this. Children, if you want to honor your mothers today, then honor the one first who gave you a mother. The greatest gift you will ever give to your mother or to your father is to honor Christ as Savior and Lord. And to all among us who are grieved, who are brokenhearted for their children, because your children are wandering far from the Lord, entrust your cares to the only one with the power to save them and never give up praying. Let's go to the Lord right now and call on him to bring our children to himself to save them. Our Heavenly Father, your name is the greatest name of all, the name above all names. And you are perfect and you are holy and you are good. And your will for us, your purpose for us is so much greater than anything we could imagine. Father, I want to pray right now for all the wandering sons and daughters that you would bring salvation to their hearts and homes. I pray for all the mothers and fathers who, who so long to see their children come to the truth, whether they are still young and in the home or whether they are grown. Pray that you would strengthen them to never stop praying for their children. Father, may we remember that the greatest inheritance we could ever leave for our children is our devotion to you. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's sing together, How Firm a Foundation. in hell. 
or abounding in wealth at home and abroad on the land on the sea as thy days may demand shall thy strength ever be pathway shall lie my grace all sufficient shall be thy supply the flame shall not hurt thee I only design thy dross to consume and thy gold to refine the flame shall not hurt thee I only design thy drowse to consume and thy gold to refine Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Be at peace.